Welcome back to another episode of Questions with Crocker with Dr. Crocker and my husband, Shane. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. I'm glad that you're here. It's 940 at night. I know. Actually, it's 950 at night. <laughs> I know. It's past your bedtime. Way past my bedtime. Yeah, you are not the night person in this relationship. No. Or no. the morning person. I'm kind of the mid. <laughs> I was going to say, what is it? Kind of the brunch person. When you're not a night person or a morning person. Brunch. A brunch person. <laughs> I don't think there's such a thing. We're I'll gonna, be honest. We're going to make that up and then it. All right. So I am Dr. Crocker. I'm an emergency veterinarian and I own a general practice with my husband, Shane, and you are the entrepreneur. Technically, I don't own the practice at all. What do you mean? I don't own the practice. You're 100% owner of the practice. Like my name is on it. <clears throat> yeah, you own it. But you own it in like heart, spirit, Only if we get divorced, money. we get like half of it. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> well, that got awkward real quick. So, no, I um, definitely consider you an owner. And I think I'm... I own the real estate. Do you really? Yes. Is my name not on the real estate? I don't think so. <gasps> Is that what you're going to take in the divorce that we're supposed to get? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jack your rent up. <laughs> get divorced and then jack my rent up. Oh, my gosh. I can't. We're here for marital advice. <laughs> we are not. Okay. So let's just clarify uh, what we are not. We are not experts. No. We actually have little clue about what we're doing, buying a practice and running it. I kind of know what I'm doing as a veterinarian, and I do a little bit of education and have fun on social media, too. You do not, uh, which is okay. Probably two of us doing it uh, would be a lot in a household, don't yeah. you think? Yes. Yes, that's all you have to say. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so if you're enjoying the podcast and we're enjoying making it, uh, even though sometimes it's late at night when we get to it, please like, share, leave a review. People have left really nice reviews. It's been like five reviews. No, there hasn't. We're up to 24 or something. Where? On the Apple one. I don't think so. So we're on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. I didn't even realize really there was another podcast option. But wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can check us out. And I watch it on YouTube. You do. I don't like to watch it on YouTube because I don't like watching myself. You do like watching yourself? No, it's just the only one I know how to work. <laughs> I just, I feel awkward watching myself and my facial expressions. I know I'm very experienced. Expressionable, expressive, expressive, word. but I don't like watching it and it makes me uncomfortable, which is I am funny. The opposite of expressive. I'm like monotone. <laughs> you are. Yes. Uh, I, I think you might be even more than whatever is even lower than a monotone is Probably. what you might be. Uh, okay. So I'm really excited about today. We've gotten the same question over and over. So I thought we would just address it. And that is people asking me about my undergrad experience and kind of that pre-vet experience leading up to vet school. Uh, what did I do that helped me get into vet school? What experiences did I have? Uh, and so I really enjoyed undergrad. Uh, and there's a couple stories in there that I think are interesting and things I can share that I hope help people a little bit. And I didn't know you during that time. Nope. Did <laughs> where, not. where were you when I was an undergrad? Uh, probably working. You were. You were working. That's when you traveled and worked. I did travel and work. Yes. yes. And had a really good time. Yes. You were <laughs> enjoying yourself as a single traveling man. So, yes, that was before we met. And then we met and you quickly became enamored and... Moved to College Station. I think there's already been an episode about this. <laughs> there has. If you want to check out our 
love story. You can go back and listen to that. Um, but we, this is like the Benjamin Button movie. We're like working backwards <laughs> or something. Like, we've thought this through. I wish. I wish. Do you know that our kids saw a picture of us the other day when we were dating? I will say they did say, oh, mom, you look about the same. <laughs> but <laughs> they definitely said, why is dad's hair so dark in this picture? Marriage. <laughs> I'm not the only reason you have kids. gray hair. That is marriage and kids. That's genetics. It's not just marriage and well, stress. We can call it what Thank it is. <laughs> I've got my story. You have yours. Those of you married for a while, which actually our wedding anniversary is coming up. Mm-hmm. So we'll be married 17 years. Yep. We know a little bit something about being married. I had that on my phone to book something for that weekend. <laughs> I'm excited. Is it going to be really, really awesome and full of energy and require a lot like a sporty thing or is it going to be <laughs> your face just said it all no if you're not watching on youtube shane just pretty much grimaced and uh looked like he was going to throw up when i said that so so we're thinking more laid back spa situation relax rest i love that i love that for us and that's going to be good okay so we've been doing this or that or we've been having you spell things But I thought it would be good to maybe just have like a Shane hot tip moment. So if there is one thing that you could tell people about just being an entrepreneur or being in business, what is one thing that you can just like drop to them right now that you're not going to expand on, just something that you can put out there that you've learned along the way or you heard at some point that really stuck with you? Um, I think it's a mindset. So you have to have the correct frame of mind to be an entrepreneur, meaning you can't have a lot of fear. You really can't take no as an answer. You really have to think outside the box um, and, and understand that you've got to be able to make changes <clears throat> as fast as you need to. Is one of the changes that we should wait till our children are fully in bed to start the podcast? There's one of them right now. Hi. We're re- Hi, we're recording. So if you if you can go back to bed, that'd be great. Okay. Hi. <laughs> go to bed. Go to bed. Love you. Go to bed. Go to bed. Love Ser- you. Seriously, go. Yeah, I wanted to say goodnight. Okay. Good night. Good night. Love, you. love you. We've said goodnight. This is the eighteenth time. Good night, Saying goodnight. I'm goodnight and goodnight. Okay. Goodnight and goodnight. So after a, a brief intermission. To get our child back in bed at 10 o'clock at night. It's a summer. Yes. Don't judge. I'd also say I'm coming off the cold, so you're going to do most of the talking here. You had the manis of man colds. It was rough. I didn't think I was going to make it. (laughs) It was. let's Let's just put this out there. Those of you that are listening weigh in. Is it truly a cold that requires you to lay in bed for a day and a half, like not functioning, if you don't even have a fever? And no lymph node enlargement. There's no sweating going on. A lesser person would have asked to be put down. <laughs> Listen, I fought through this. I am back. You survived? I survived. You need a medal? Probably. Oh my gosh. The man cold is real. Okay. So listen, back to it. It's a mindset. You got to start with having the right mindset uh, before you decide you want to jump into self-employment. And I think, let's be honest, you can be a little scared. Being scared is okay. You just can't be so scared you're not willing to try things. Agreed. I don't want people to think that we ever 
were like always, oh, everything's going to be fine. And maybe by scared, I mean scared to make a decision. Yeah. <clears throat> you got to be able to make a decision. Whether it's right or not, you make a decision, you push forward, and change if you need to. You'll see what happens along the way. Yes. I agree. And I like that tip. Appreciate that. I didn't even let you prep for that. So congratulations. A little bit of housekeeping. Uh, I'm about to go on my first trip in a while. I'll be at AVMA in Denver. Uh, by this time this comes out, that's not going to matter. So Harrison, if you want to cut that out, you can. A little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we are moving forward with hospital renovations. We finally have final plans. It's very exciting. You're rubbing your face, but it's going to be awesome. And we're going to talk more about that in future episodes. And other than that, we're just working a lot and traveling and running around with our kids this summer. And it's been really busy and really fun. But let's get into talking about my pre-vet undergrad experience. So first off, and I don't know if I told you this story. I'm sure I have. Um, but when I started out uh, in college, I actually started out at a junior college. And I often will tell people this when I go to vet school or go to pre-vet groups, because I think when people see you in a position of being a doctor, they kind of just assume that all along the way you've you know, attended these certain types of schools and your grades have always been stellar and like that's just how you made it happen. But I actually had a rough start with college. Uh, I was in the top 10% of my class in high school. And at the time, Texas uh, A&M did top 10% got automatic, uh, I don't know, what is it called? Automatic admission into school. And I was seeing all my friends get their letters of acceptance and I wasn't getting mine and I had applied. And when I called them, they basically said, you did not apply and we've already accepted everybody. And so you don't have a spot as a freshman at Texas A&M University. And it was one of those defining moments in life where I either could completely freak out because my whole plan, I had a roommate picked out, I had a place picked out where I was going to live. Like I had a whole plan of being in College Station. And when all of a sudden that wasn't an option, I could have just said, that's it. Like, it's not going to happen for me. But instead, I sat and I was thinking, okay, I want to be in College Station. What are my other options? I did think about I could go to some of the other schools I got into, but I knew I wanted to go to AM. I wanted to go to vet school. And so ultimately, I decided to go to Blinn, which was the junior college in, a, at, in College Station. And I went there and I basically found out right off the bat what it took to transfer into A&M and I took the classes I needed to take and I made the grades I needed to take make and then I transferred into A&M. You know, there's also several people in your vet class that started at JUCOs yeah. and they transferred into major colleges. Some were even um, homeschooled in high school. Yes. And then went through college and then got in. So. Yeah. And it's everyone has their own path and their own journey. And I think, honestly, that was probably my first kind of like adult defining moment of this is a huge setback and this is a huge curveball. And am I going to adapt and figure it out or am I just going to kind of crumble under the pressure? And I was really happy to have a good support network and have, you know, a family that's like, whatever you want to do, we'll figure it out. Uh, and it worked out for me. But I find it difficult to believe that you're dad was not completely on top of this <laughs> with me applying and everything yes. well so like i could see like a stack of like 40 applications going out and like 
the everything's kind of like laid out. The thing is, you, you and, and I are so old that that's the time when they started doing more of the online applications. And so uh, it was kind of a newer thing. And so apparently that year, there's quite a few that were missed or something wasn't completed completely where the application just didn't go through. So whether it was my bad or it was a it still worked out in the long run. But I do think that uh, my dad certainly helped direct me into what my other options were. And I went to Blinn and then I transferred and was, you know, starting off in undergrad. So one of the other things that I did uh, in college that I think was really important is I didn't join the pre-vet society. And I feel like that's going to be something that people are surprised by because... I mean, you knew you wanted to be a vet. I knew I wanted to be a vet. And really, I spent a lot of my free time networking, getting hands-on experience, uh, volunteering, especially during like holidays and things like that, uh, making connections, which ultimately led me to my first job, connections I made in undergrad. But it was one of those things that I could do the pre-vet society, but I felt like that was more about learning about being a vet and making connections, which I had already kind of done. Um, So I don't think you have to be a part of the pre-vet society. I think some of them are great. And I've actually gone and spoken at A&M, but I don't think that's like a requirement to get into vet school. And I personally don't know that it helps you get into vet school. I think it could be something else that takes up time. And if you love it, great. But if it takes up time that affects your grades or affects other things, it's really not worth it. Does that make sense? It does. I just hope that people don't get mad at me for saying you don't have to be in the pre-vet society to get into vet school. So hands-on experience, I mentioned pretty much every holiday, every chance I had, I was getting hands-on experience. I did uh, work in the large animal hospital uh, in undergrad for a couple semesters. I worked in the chem lab and cleaned glassware, but learned and met all the teachers. I was a bio major, so I met all the science teachers, which was really helpful. Again, just connecting with people and networking with people. And then one of the other things I did is I worked at a coffee shop. So what do you think that taught me? Why did I work at a coffee shop? Why did you work at a coffee shop? I just think anytime you can interact with people and learn people is a good skill. I would never work at a coffee shop. (laughs) But I could see where the value of learning to deal with people and um, good moods, bad moods, all the above. Yeah. So I learned how to multitask during busy coffee time period and take a lot of orders. And like you said, deal with people who were in a rush and people who had different needs. And I think all those experiences, I did a couple different jobs in like the service industry. In high school, I worked at an auto body shop and I filed claims and I helped people with their auto body claims. So always doing something where I had to interact with people. I had to communicate. I had to read people. And I think that really helped me in the long run because veterinary medicine for majority of the jobs in it are people jobs and you're interacting constantly with clients and being able to communicate and being able to handle difficult people and also uh, find ways to say no is really, really important. So I think jobs like working in coffee shops or jobs where you interact a lot with people um, are important in general. And then learning to be able to go to school and work was also important to find like that balance. Um, plus the extra money didn't hurt at all. So the other big thing that I did in undergrad, which I think was valuable, is I was a college athlete. So yes, 
I was part of the national championship Texas A&M equestrian team. And so we were actually a college sport um, and we got to work out in the athletes thing. I remember the first time we went to work out officially and you were a college athlete too. You played baseball. And so all the just my freshman year, and then I decided how not good I was, and then I transferred to another school. <laughs> but you made it Different into story. college. So anyways, we show up, like all these little horse girls show up, and we really have no clue because we didn't necessarily like work out, like lift weights and stuff, right? We rode horses, and so we were athletic, but in a different way. And we showed up, and these football and baseball players were in there like lifting, and there was all this sweat and muscles and we're like they're like y'all are doing squats and half of us are like how do we do squats (laughs) and so it was kind of funny because I think we felt a little out of place but it actually was great to have like a routine have a group of people that were you know being there to check your grades to make sure you were working out like we had to get up early we had to take care of our business like when you're a college athlete like we weren't allowed to slack we had a lot of responsibilities and so again I think that taught me a lot just about showing up working hard and then I was a part of the national championship team so I saw that hard work payoff which was really valuable and a lot of the people I met through that sport some of them were actually veterinarians at A&M and so those connections again were really wonderful when I went to apply to vet school so I think networking doing as much hands-on as possible um, is really really important The other thing uh, about undergrad is, oh my gosh, everyone always stresses about their grades. And there is a minimum grade like requirement to get into vet school. And you understand why, right? Like the class is really hard. Yeah, I mean, you want to make sure that people can do the actual work. work. Yeah. How many times did you take biology? Several. (laughs) (laughs) There were several chances to get that one correct. So I, you know, knew which core classes you had to take for vet school uh, and which ones really mattered because they weighed certain classes more than they weighed others when they looked at grades. And so there was some classes like uh, physics, two that I started out in and the teacher Honestly, we just not did not connect the way he he spoke uh, and explained things. I just did not get it. And I knew quickly I was not going to do well in that class. So I dropped that class before the drop date. And I think that's something to understand is knowing what classes you need to take, what classes you really need to nail, dropping them or finding the right teachers that work for you or doing tutoring. So I went to tutoring uh, as needed. Nothing wrong with doing that with getting extra help. Uh- <clears throat> even outside of wanting to be a veterinarian, I think a lot of people can learn to navigate life <clears throat> by how they navigate college. So I learned that pretty quick that what professors you took, um, where the athletes were, where the sorority people <laughs> were, a lot of them had access to notes, you know, uh, who to who to go get tutoring from, mm-hmm. um, what classes you had to show up to, all that stuff you learn to navigate to get through college are the same skills you learn in corporate America or to be a veterinarian or be self-employed. I mean, you have to learn those skills to navigate through life. That's just the start of it in college, I think. 
I think that's really true. And I honestly never would have thought about it that way. But basically having the goal, the goal is I need to make this certain GPA. And it's not as straightforward as I just take these classes and work really hard and make the grade. It's setting yourself up for success by trying to find the right schedule with the right teachers. But even to get into vet school, you don't have to have an undergrad degree, right? That is 100% true. I did have one, uh, mainly because I didn't take classes over the summer. Instead, I worked. I worked at uh, church camp. Uh, I was a wrangler at Pine Cove and I loved that experience too. Uh, so I didn't get done as quickly as some people did, but some people may meet all their requirements within three, three and a half years. They apply and they get into vet school. They never get an undergrad degree, which is really mind blowing to me that you can get a, you know, doctor of veterinary medicine degree or a veterinary medical degree and you don't have to have an undergrad degree. Um, but that is something that a lot of people in my class did, and a couple people that were homeschooled did a lot of their classes even before they got into college, and they got into vet school after only being in college for one, two years. So knowing which classes you have to take, what prereqs there are, and what you absolutely have to take to get in actually can be really financially rewarding if you plot it out the right way. <clears throat> I see a lot of value in that. You're going to say that? Yeah, I know. But I also saying. think that people need to grow up a little bit before they're a doctor of veterinary medicine, meaning take four or five years in undergrad to learn who you are and how you do things and mature before you get into something as serious as that. I think even even get an undergrad and then go work for a couple of years before you apply to vet school. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think some people maybe rush to get into veterinary school and maybe aren't quite Ready. mature enough to to. To, to be there yet. I so. mean, it's a very emotionally taxing time being in vet school. So having a little more, bit more time to honestly have some fun, have vacations, have summers before you're just in it, I think is important. Now, on the other side of things, the financial implications of being in school longer definitely have to be taken into consideration. Agreed. So. And speaking of that, uh, we will eventually get into vet school and vet school applications. But as part of my undergrad experience, I applied once to vet school, did not get in to A&M. And so I basically had a gap Why year. Why did you not get in? Well, that is uh, something I was going to address in the future. Oh. But when I talk about vet school applications, I was going to go all into it. Got it. It's a whole story. Come back to visit us in Come future episodes. Come back for future episode. Ding, ding. It's like a teaser. No. Um, so I didn't get in and, again, had to figure out what I was going to do. And fortunately, I had developed a relationship with the Four Sixes Ranch. Yes, that is the famous one that is now on Yellowstone. And I had worked there uh, during my vet school application time. And so when I didn't get in, I just asked him, can I stay on working? And I ended up doing an extra almost year there uh, of breeding and foaling season. And it actually was one of the most incredible times of my life because being out in the middle of nowhere, just working on horses all day, living in a bunkhouse, you know, eating in the, you know, uh, house with all the cowboys before they went out to work and just working and hustling and learning and doing so much with these incredible horses was really impactful. And that is when we were dating. And so you came to visit me up there um, a couple times and <laughs> you had a meaningful experience of your own, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> It was actually a really good time, though. That was a cool place. It was. It's. I mean, you're you're disconnected from pretty much everything. technology, TV, everything. All you're doing is working and 
under the stars at night and it's you're so tired you sleep great and you eat great and it just it's really I don't know centers you a little bit and makes you feel like okay I understand like what's really important so I definitely encourage people to kind of get off the grid and just work if they have a chance because I think it really I don't know matures you like you said so anyways you visited and it was when I was working fulling season which meant uh, some of us we'd switch off but for a couple weeks we'd be on at night and be checking the mares um, to foal because these babies were worth more than you and I more (laughs) than a car and so someone had to babysit them and so uh, one of the mares started foaling when you were there and these are big babies and you uh, were dating me and I think I just said like grab a leg and you're like, huh? Is that your recollection? Something like that. <laughs> so there's a lot of fluids and things. And being married to you for so long, you don't like your hands to necessarily be dirty. No. Um, and you jumped right in. And you <clears throat> grabbed a leg and put traction on so I could kind of reach in and adjust things a little bit so this baby could be born better. And then kind of you and I, gentle traction, pulled the baby out. And... It was a really cool experience because I looked over at you and you're like, did I just do that? I don't know if I was more wide-eyed then or when I saw him collecting for the first time. Uh, yes, that's that's a whole that's other a, experience. Tell you what. Collecting stallions is, yes, not for the faint of heart. I mean, growing up around horses, I learned about the birds and the bees real quick. There wasn't there wasn't much hiding what was going on no. in, in general. I was I was trying to like have a moment there for oh, a second, sorry. but you just took it in another direction. <laughs> but I mean, that is the cool part about our jobs is we get to see, you know, life and it's a very, I don't know, miracle thing to be a part of. And so when you were there with me and you were willing to get your hands dirty, even though I knew that was one of the things that you hated, that was probably one of those moments that I was like, I got to lock this guy <laughs> Coming fresh out of a uh, finance degree. Yeah. Um, in fact, I probably had a suit on when I drove up to the four sixes. Yeah. That was definitely a much different experience. Very different experience, but a very cool experience to share with you. So, mm. okay. So let's recap about uh, undergrad and pre-vet. Knew I wanted to be a veterinarian. No doubt about it. Had a little bit of struggles. Did end up going to junior college. Totally fine. You just got to figure out what the next step is to continue on the path that you need to go on if you kind of get off your path for a little bit. And then I really was intentional with my hands-on experience and my networking, which I think was a very important part of, one, me getting into vet school eventually, and two, being able to enjoy vet school so much because I already had so many connections. And then three, find really great jobs when I got out of vet school. And then I... um was a college athlete, which taught me a lot about hard work and having goals and teamwork, which is important. And overall, I think that just knowing what you need to do to get in based off of your prereqs and finding the right teachers, the right time to take certain classes is really, really important. So those are some of the things that I would say. And I think that if you want to find a group of people that are like-minded and that you want to connect with, a pre-vet society is a great option for you. It's just not one that I chose to do uh, in undergrad because 
let's be honest, I didn't really have a hard time meeting people <laughs> and finding no. friends. I mean, the reality is you couldn't find a date to take you to dinner at pre-vet society. So yeah, that wasn't of importance. At that that time. is that is true. I was having a good time just like you were uh, before we met. So but I am glad that we finally met and we both uh, realized that we were for each other. And now we are stuck in this crazy world of owning a practice and being a parents together, which, as y'all saw, uh, is very unpredictable in itself. So good and thing. Yes, that was at 10 to 20 at night. <laughs> and our son was wide awake. The next review on the podcast is going to be like, yeah. well, the podcast is great, but they suck as parents. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Stick around for next episode of Parenting Advice with the Crockers. Definitely not a parenting show, but we are happy you're here with us. Make sure to visit us on social media at Questions with Crocker. You can leave any questions you have. If any came up from listening to this, we're happy to go more in depth. Uh, but thank you for being here and we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Have a great day and leave a review if you want to, as long as it's nice. Thanks. 